Welcome into the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield, here at your service. And, you know, we often talk about how football is trying to grow its global footprint. And nowhere is that going to be more evident than on this very podcast right here today. Because, Mark, I've done the math, okay? Oh boy, you've I, done math. Well, I, I did some math, and it, it was a challenge. I was told there would be no math. But in any case... Uh, we are going to be joined today, and actually we are joined right now, by Justin Twell, uh, who lived in England originally, now lives in Australia, and if my math is right, that is the three biggest English-speaking countries, all of which appear to be massive uh, fans of football at this point, and also... We're bridging, like, between all the three of us in different locations, somewhere in the ballpark of, like, 26,000 miles right now, which is pretty impressive just in and of itself. It's very impressive. And also, don't forget, Justin's our second guest from down under. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're diving into that Australian market. We're trying to get in there as much as we can, and I do want to welcome Justin in now. Justin, appreciate you joining us because I'm pretty sure this is it's it's midday for you, even though it's like nine thirty at night for us. Yeah, that's all right, guys. It's uh, come up to half eleven in the morning, so uh, yeah, it's a very ideal time for me to uh, yeah come on and chat to you guys. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the first piece that you wrote for us. Actually, it was titled "To Be an NFL Fan in a Land Far, Far Away," and. I want you to talk and just kind of go into that piece a little bit as far as your introduction to NFL football and how you were exposed to the game to begin with uh, starting out in England. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite an interesting, I, I guess, the time that I got into it. Um, you know, you guys and I know a lot of the other ITP guys probably um, grew up with it straight away from birth. And, and mine was kind of similar, I was probably about seven or eight years old, and um, my dad had a, um, you know, before the internet came along, he had what we used to call a pen pal, so he used to write letters to each other from a guy who lived in Boston, um, and he was a Bears fan, and um, my dad sort of picked it up from him, and then he obviously wanted to pass it down to me, so um, he, he, he sort of started to teach me a little bit around, I guess, yeah, sort of a seven or eight-year-old mark. Um, the first couple of years, I remember um, actually being a New York Giants fan um, very, very early on. Um, and then after a couple of years or so, my dad sort of, um, I guess, uh, took me under his wing, so to speak. And, um, yeah, I, I've been a Bears fan ever since. But but sort of getting into the game, um, I think I the, the first part of my piece was about the American Bowl. Um, and the NFL bought some sort of preseason games coming over here. Uh, the, the first one I went to, I believe, was 87. Um, the Broncos and the Rams uh, also went to sort of Raiders and the Saints, I believe, in 1990. Um, and I think the Eagles and the Browns was another one. So um, in terms of watching NFL games, um, that came quite early for me. Um, and that really sort of uh, really heightened my interest quite quickly from an early age. Um, and then sort of after that, um, Mike, I think you'll know a bit about this, was the, the, the sort of introduction to World League, um, which then became NFL Europe. Um, and, uh, and so that first season, um, obviously being a London Monarchs fan and, and watching them at Wembley Stadium, um, and the crowds were really good. You know, they used to get anywhere between forty, fifty thousand. 
um, for each home game. Um, and it just really just went on from there, from from those NFL, those early NFL preseason games, um, you know, sort of becoming a Bears fan um, and then getting into the World League and then NFL Europe. Um, that was really the start of, I guess, my my fandom, so to speak. Yeah. Justin, watching the World League or NFL Europe here from the States, it was sort of like a curiosity for us because obviously we still had NFL football year-round, basically. What was it like to, like you said, go to those games, go to Wembley Stadium, see the London Monarchs playing, to see 40,000, 50,000 people in the stadium to watch that product on the field? Yeah, so the, the, the World League um, you know, sort, of, sort of came into play and, and a lot of the players were – we're sort of um, on NFL rosters, but sort of, you know, maybe sort of on the bubble or sort of, you know, practice squad guys would come over. Um, and uh, when you look back at the history of the World League and some of the some of the guys that came from there, um, I mean, I think the ones that stick out are really sort of Kurt Warner played for the Amsterdam Admirals um, when it became NFL Europe. Um, and, and Brad Johnson, who was on that sort of Buccaneers uh, Super Bowl winning team in 2002, he was actually quarterback of the Monarchs sort of in the mid nineties. Um, you know, and, and there was a lot of a lot of players and even a lot of coaches today. Um, for example, Hugh Jackson, he was the he was actually the um, the running backs and wide receivers coach for that London Monarchs team in nineteen ninety one, um, when they won went and won the championship. So um, yeah, a, a lot of the guys that particularly in the coaching side that you see in the NFL today, um, actually had a bit of experience and and, and did some of their coaching in their early years in the World League and, and NFL Europe as well. So um, it's it's an interesting league to go back and look at um, and and just sort of analyze you know who was involved and what went on. I mean, um, another one springs to mind was Mike McCagnan. He was um, he was actually a director of player personnel again for that Monarchs team as well. So um, a lot of guys in the NFL today sort of I guess got their got their start in the World League um, or NFL Europe, whether that was playing or, or coaching. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing to, to read about and, um, and look back um, and, and read about, certainly. What, other, uh, what resources did you have available uh, to yourself trying to follow the game more closely and learn about the game more closely uh, when you are living in London? It's, you know, I'm guessing it's probably not like it is in the States where you wake up and, you know, even back before the internet, you open the newspaper any day and it's okay. Here's something that's going on in football. There was no inside the pylon 20 years ago. What did you have available to yourself to continue to become a fan of the game? Yeah, (laughs) it's, it's really difficult because like you say, um, the internet wasn't around and then, um, I mean, there, there was a magazine that used to come out in the, sh- in, you know, you could go down to the shop and, and there was a magazine, um, I believe it was called First Down, um, and it was sort of, it had like a sort of a newspaper look to it, um, and I remember me and my dad used to go down and buy buy that, I think it came out once a month, I, I could be wrong there, um, and, and the only other time that you could really sort of catch um, any NFL was... Um, one of the major sort of broadcasting stations there, Channel 4, started to show it um, as early as sort of the mid-'80s. Um, and they sort of really picked up on it and, and used to show it quite a bit. Um, in, in regards to college football, um, that sort of that, – that was something that was sh- shown 
Um, it used to be shown on British TV, but it was always around sort of three, flock, three or four o'clock in the morning. So um, it, it didn't quite get the, uh, I guess, the viewership that the NFL did. Um, and, and then Channel 4 sort of um, used to host a sort of a, like a, a preview and sort of review, recap show as well, um, sort of a bit later on from that. Um, so, yeah, Chuck, I think, look, going back to your question, really it was just um, Channel 4 showing um, what they were able to show. Um, and there was, you know, you'd go down to your, to your sort of local convenience store, if you like, and they'd have a, they'd have a magazine there on the shelf um, to read up on the latest, you know, what was going on with the latest players and, and results. And um, I believe they had the box score in there as well, so you could see who was doing what in, you know, um, with your with your favourite players and your favourite teams, but um, yeah, other than that, it was um, it was really quite difficult to get hold of um, certainly uh, the information that we can get hold of today. Um, you know, as you say, with no with no internet around, so yeah, very 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 different times. Justin, let's move to the this year's NFL, um, particularly the NFC North, the division which you're going to be covering for us this season. And we can start with your Chicago Bears. You've got a piece on InsideThePylon.com right now, which I'd invite people to look at, looking through their draft. What were you, your thoughts on the Bears draft and what players do you think can contribute right away to the Chicago team? Um. Yeah, look, good question, Mike. I, I was actually really excited by the draft itself and what the Bears were able to do. Um, you know, I, they're certainly in the rebuilding phase, and um, you know, it's good. It's going to take time. I think Bears fans need to be patient um, with the new regime, um, with Ryan Pace and, and John Fox in there. Um, I'm really happy with what they're doing. Um, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't so much a fan of the Leonard Floyd pick. I, I just felt like they they perhaps reached a little bit. Um, you know, I went back and watched his tape a little bit, and you know, other than sort of the speed that he has. Um, you know, he's got a he's got a couple of nice moves, but um, you know, I, I wasn't really a, a, a big fan of that pick. Um, I, I really hope that he can come in and 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 at least uh, certainly prove me wrong. Um, I'd be happy with that. Um, I, I feel like he'll. I, I don't think he'll contribute straight away. I, I think he'll someone that may come in as a situational pass rusher. Um, uh, I think that I think someone like Cody Whitehair, uh, the second round pick, the guard out of Kansas, Kansas State. Um, I really like him. Um, I was really pleased with that pick, and um, I'm really looking forward to him. I think he can come in straight away um, and, and contribute right off the bat. Um, Jonathan Bullard is another one um, that I really liked, but um, I guess a bit of a dark horse. Um, if we're looking at later on in the draft, you know that those sort of middle rounds, the Bears sort of picked up a couple of couple of uh, sort of safeties and cornerbacks um, to shore up that back end of the defense. But um, I really like the look of uh, the seventh round pick, Daniel Braverman, wide receiver. Um, I think he came from Western Michigan. Um, he's a guy I really like, um, and, and Jordan Howard as well, uh, the fifth round pick out of uh, uh, I believe it was Indiana. He's a uh, He's he's looking really good. I think he can come in and um, and contribute a lot more than what people what people might think. So um, overall, I was yeah as a fan, I was I was quite happy with the draft. When you take a look at the NFC North, it's a division that uh, you know pretty much had been owned by the Packers for the recent history until last year when the Vikings actually came along and ended up as the regular season uh, champions there. 
Do you see this being a division that possibly uh, is, you know, pretty much bouncing between those two teams for the next couple of years? Or is there a chance that the Bears or Lions are able uh, to mount a charge there? You've got a young Vikings team that is up and coming. You have a more established Green Bay team. Are either of those two teams below able to break in uh, to that upper echelon in the division? Um, I, I think if you if you're looking at 2016, um, look, I, I do I do still think it's between the Packers and the Vikings. Um, I, I, I don't see the Bears really challenging them um, for for that sort of division crown. I, I think the Bears are probably another year or two out before before we potentially. Um, you know, see them really push those two teams. Um, Detroit's an interesting one. Um, I've just submitted a piece about them and some of their training camp battles coming up and, and just looking at their roster. Um, yeah, there's nothing really there for the Lions that, that really jumps out and excites me. Um, where they may sort of, tra- uh, sort of you know, trouble the, the pack of divers. So um, the way I look at the NFC North is that you can kind of split it in two. So, you know, you've got the, the, the Packers and the Vikings are going to be, um, I think they're going to be up there again. Um, and that could come down to sort of a week 16, 17 time before that's decided. Um, and then the Bears and Lions are sort of, you know, um, working to, obviously working towards um, catching up with those two teams. So um, uh, <laughs> I'd love to see the Bears up there and, and really push and challenge them. Um, you know, I, I don't see that quite happening yet. I think we've got to be realistic and say, yeah, I think the Bears will get better. I think in terms of their record, I think they can sort of hit eight and eight, uh, sort of a sort of eight and eight mark. Um, and the Lions, yeah, look, the Lions had a really good um, finish last season. So yeah, who knows with them? But nothing really sticks out to me for the Lions to really challenge. But I, I think we're going to see the same again. I think you're going to look at the Packers and the Vikings sort of going toe to toe. Um, for the whole season. Justin, I do want to ask you about that Lions piece you put together. You identified some of the key training camp battles in Detroit this offseason and preseason. What are the, some of the positional battles that stick out to you, and which one do you think will go the longest way to determining how Detroit fares this season? Yeah, look, I think from the ones that, I, um, the, the, the ones that I've put together and, and from what I've seen, um, I think the toughest one and the one that could sort of, yeah, sort of spill into the season, if you like. Um, uh, to me, I think it's got to be um, the, the, the very first one that stuck out to me, which was Taylor Decker and Riley Reef sort of um, fighting for that left tackle spot. Um, uh, you know, from, from what I've seen and, and from what I've read, all signs sort of point to, I think Decker's obviously the future, and they're going to look to, um, to to put him in there and be that sort of 10-year left tackle, um, sort of stalwart, if you like. Um, so that one, that one to me, it, it's really hard to see where that one's going to go. I've made a prediction on the piece, and I'm not going to give too much away, but um, um, and, and I'm quite happy with that prediction. But um, it certainly could go either way. And, um, you know, it, it, if, say, for example, if Decker does get that, uh, that left tackle spot, um, he he could easily be replaced pretty quickly if, if things turn really sour for the Lions early on. So um, that that's a really key battle for them. Um, I think particularly when you look at you know Calvin Johnson's retired, um, and and the Lions are going to have to you know they're going to have to air it out a bit as um, you know even with him not there they're going to have 
going to have to have an effective passing game. And if they can get the protection right on the line, then, um, yeah, that Lions offense could, could actually do some pretty good things, even without Calvin Johnson. So that that's a key battle for me. Um, and that's one that's one where, you know, it could be decided right at the end of preseason. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, yeah, certainly an interesting one for me looking at that one. Well, hey, Justin, we are uh, unfortunately out of time here, so we got to call it a day. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, we, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Obviously, uh, I know you're taking some time out of I know it's the middle of the winter for you right now, but you know, a little confusing to us here. But, uh, you know, certainly appreciate you taking some time and spending a little bit of time with Mark and I. And, and we'll definitely uh, look to get you back on, you know, as we get closer to the season to check in with you on the Bears and what else is going on in the NFC North. Yeah, sounds good, mate. Look, I appreciate being on and, um, and and being a part of Inside the Pylon and, and some of the great guys we've got going there. And obviously, uh, yeah, exciting times coming up, and I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, all systems go from here. Absolutely. I mean, Justin, if you've ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire, uh, you know, Jerry Maguire was the ambassador of Quan. We consider you the international ambassador of Quan, ITP style. So, you know, take that responsibility seriously, but we will check in with you later on this summer, all right? No worries. Sounds good to me. All right. That is Justin 12 from Inside the Pylon. Mark, another show in the books, another day gone. Mark's already gone. That's how it goes here. Inside the Pylon, the Quick Kicks podcast, back tomorrow. We'll see you then. <laughs>